and welcome to Upgrade You podcast number seven. Oh, is it Already. number seven? It is. It's number seven. Apologise, my voice sounds a bit hoarse, but I've just realised I've not actually spoke to anybody yet, and it's 11 o'clock, so my voice box hasn't warmed up. <laughs> Slash, you had a massive weekend at a wedding. Oh, there was that, yeah, and an engagement party, but that doesn't really help. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well... Um, are we ready? We're ready, yeah. We've got the first We're... question from... Okay. Yeah, from Anna. We've got some great ones. First one's from Anna, and that's on cyclical dieting. And are there any benefits or negatives to this? E.g. having two low-calorie weeks, then two higher ones once a month, or variations on this as opposed to steady calorie deficit? Okay, well, I have found a very interesting study on this. And I've previously spoken about it before, so I'm going to take on this one. Um, people term this intermittent dieting. One of the benefits to it is that as we diet, various adaptations occur, which make it harder for us to continue dieting. Um, this is why weight loss is so hard and why most people tend to regain the weight they lose. So when we, it's very easy to think of energy balance as a simple energy in equals energy out or a deficit mm -hmm. is created on one side and that won't affect the other side. But actually, if you affect one side of the energy balance equation, the other side is affected. So mm -hmm. the most obvious example of this is if you eat less food, you're more hungry. So when you eat less, your drive to eat increases, which makes it harder to stay on your diet. The same is true for activity levels. So when we eat less, we tend to habitually reduce our activity levels. So yep. there's all these adaptations that happen to dieting. And one of the benefits of intermittent dieting, or the idea behind it at least, is that by taking a break from being in an energy deficit, you can avoid or at least reduce some of these adaptations. So that's sort of the theory behind it. Mm -hmm. And I did find quite a cool study which compares um, two weeks of energy restriction followed by two weeks of eating at maintenance um, compared to just your normal diet, which would be continuous energy restriction um and they chose two weeks because that tends to be when these adaptations start to occur so these they're terms sort of early phase adaptations to dieting um and later phase adaptations would be changes in your body mass mm -hmm. so that's kind of what we want from dieting um so what happened in the study the intermittent dieting group lost more weight and regained less weight after a six-month follow-up. So they actually lost eight kilograms more weight, which is massive. Yep. Um, and in fact, on average, the continuous dieting group regained all their weight by the eight, the six-week the six-month follow-up. Sorry. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it's a pretty impressive result. And kind of even more interesting than that was that the intermittent dieting group showed a smaller reduction in their resting energy expenditure. So, so one of the adaptations to dieting is a reduced metabolic rate, which is largely attributable to reduced weight. Mm -hmm. But we also see a sort of slightly more than is predicted reduction in metabolic <laughs> rate when we look at it in comparison to weight loss. So this shows that potentially you're also benefiting from a less of a reduction in your resting metabolic rate so yes in answer to anna's question um yes intermittent dieting is a 
is cool. I, I actually use it with a lot of my clients more for a longer term approach. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't always be dieting and this is a sort of easier way to do it. It's nicer psychologically as well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's a bit more maintainable long term because you know that you're going to have, it's quite easy to have what we just did. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is going as well. <laughs> we just did your um, strict week to start the month. Sorry, there's a lawnmower outside. It's okay, you can't hear it too, too loud. Actually. All right, okay, so. good. Um, so yeah, we always do the kickstart week at the, at the beginning of the month. Um, and that sort of shows that, you know, we put you in a bit more of a deficit and you can manage it. But if we said, like, this is now your deficit for the month, you might think, oh, God, I don't know if I can do this. But even in that week when you're struggling, you sort of think, oh, it's only seven days. I'm sure I'll yeah. get to the end of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's some great points, absolutely. And especially with that study, it's really, really interesting. Um, I think sometimes if you're looking at that from practical uh, practical application as well, I think it all depends on the individual as well, um, mm-hmm. as with everything does. But if you find some people will do that themselves so they will um sometimes unintentionally create a cyclical diet by it might not be weeks at a time but there'll be certain weekends where they're being sociable they'll, be, they'll have holidays in between and it really kind of averages out and if it's somebody that can kind of take that as it is and think right well i'll go back to being on lower calories after this period or it can work really really well for them it's the people that kind of stress over it that it, it never really works out too well they'll just go and eat everything under the sun for a week because it's the diet break or because they're on holiday, etc., and then they'll just kind of go into that binge diet cycle, which we yeah. don't want any of our clients to have. Exactly, a yes. brilliant point, and it's sort of the negative side of this, but that isn't what this is. And I think yeah. it's misconstrued as that it's you know it's not two weeks of dieting and two weeks of not dieting. Yeah, it's two weeks in a deficit, and then it's two weeks at maintenance. Yeah, exactly. So you know you shouldn't be in. And obviously we know that weight fluctuations occur, but in terms of fat loss, like you should be losing fat for a week and then you should be maintaining that for a week and yeah. then losing fat for a week and then maintaining that for a week. That won't show exactly on the scales. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it, it is this sort of perception that, oh, you know, you only diet for a week and then what, you just eat what you want for a week. Like, no, you're yeah. probably, like in real terms, it's probably going to be an extra 200, mm-hmm. maybe 300 calories a day. Like, your diet's not going to look that much different, no. but it does give you just enough more that, you know, your, your performance in the gym might be better. You're recovering yeah. better. You feel yeah. like you can be a bit more sociable. You just got a bit more calories to play with. Yeah. Um, and another point you touched on about, you know, we always speak about, you know, it's your calories over the week that matter. Yeah. And to a large extent, that's true. But I mean, really it's your calories over time that matter. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, if you have one, really massive week and one like really you know it's the same as your daily calorie allowance but on a larger scale we normally say a week because you can start to see a difference in a week Mm -hmm. um but really you know you're looking at your average over time yeah however long that time is as well so um, yeah we we don't want you to count back and work out your averages for a month for instance so that's another reason why we do it (laughs) yeah i mean it gets you it gets too far but yeah Absolutely. Just to sort of like, there's no secret to your daily calories. There's no secret to your weekly calories. Yeah. We've just picked a period of time yeah. to look at how much you're eating. Absolutely. Moving on, because we have a lot of questions. We do. We have one from Samantha Abbott. Mm-hmm. And she says, my training recently has been squashed into four consecutive days at the end of the week. 
Okay. Sometimes I have to do two sessions in one. How much will this having to do this impact on my results? Okay. So firstly, we would rather you get the workouts in than not do them at all. Okay. That's, that's the prime factor. So I've had people say to me before, well, I can only train two days a week because otherwise I'd be training four days in a row. If it comes down to that, you really do need to be prioritizing getting in and doing the workout. Yes, you're going to be a little bit more fatigued, maybe. You might not be able to lift as much weight as you would if you were fresh. Um, they're the kind of main two factors. Your motivation to train, obviously training hard four times in a week might be, four days in a week in a row, sorry, might be impaired slightly, but 100% the better to do them than to kind of skip them at all. If you can split them up, for the reasons I just mentioned, so more better recovery, possibly wanted to train more, some more kind of motivation to kind of hit that session with a break or a day or two in between. If you can do that, great. If you can't, absolutely get them in. So don't don't kind of look at splitting hairs too much. It's the it's getting the training in that's the most important rather than thinking, well, I'm just going to train twice a week because I don't want to do four in a row. Yep, you're absolutely right. I was going to say the exact same. Um, ideally, we'd break them up for... Um, increased sort of frequency of stimulation yeah. of muscle yeah. for optimal recovery and like you said for motivation yeah if you can't do that might need to adapt your session slightly actually samantha is one of my one-on-one -on -one clients yeah. so probably going to speak to her a bit more about this but you might want to really think about okay this this today we're doing upper neck tomorrow we're doing lower yeah then we're doing upper again then lower again so that you are giving at least those body parts a rest yeah. whereas if you know if you've got a more of a full body session workout that you know, and you're using it the next day again, that could hamper recovery even more. So yeah. it, there, there are some things that you can do to, you know, work around your constraints. But um, yeah, she also says, just to add in, is it better to do four se sessions on consecutive days or two sessions with longer length break in between? And I'd say definitely four sessions yeah. on consecutive days. Absolutely. Um, there's no way you can do two sessions back to back well. Yeah, not at all. In in terms of your fatigue, in terms of your motivation, you know, just every, you're going to do two half hour sessions. Yeah, absolutely. I agree, hundred percent. And then I think touching on this next, we've got Karen Preston, and she says she's really interested in this because sometimes she trains trains five days in a row, and she knows recovery is hindered. And by a fifth session, it's usually a bit weaker. In this case, is it better to skip the fifth session or plod on? As we said already, definitely get it in. If you are on a fifth, five session a week program, if that splits up your volume well, your frequency well, those five sessions are going to be better than kind of doing the four, depending on your obviously your nutrition, your recovery, etc. Yeah, and Karen's actually a client of mine as well, yeah. so we'll probably look at that. But you know, your fifth session, I'd probably always put that as your quote unquote easier session. So you you know you're not going to want to be doing yeah um, deadlifts. Yeah. On, on that session. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And just to add, this is an important factor. As we always say, your, your training and your nutrition is not always about how you look. A lot of it's how you feel. So she says just to add a fifth, fifth session, a fifth consecutive session may not be the best, but her other benefits that she feels, this is quite important, it's a feel-good factor, stress relief and the kind of social side. So it's great that she has that. She enjoys going to the gym to see people, to interact with people and to get that. It's not a punishment in any kind of way, shape or form. Excellent. Yes, yeah, she is one that loves her training. Awesome. I think this is still Karen. I think this is carrying on from there. Um, she was interested in what we said about recovery on the last podcast. And she likes lifting or about lift, lifting close to your one rep max. So she likes lifting close to one rep max 
and are in a strength rep range. She does find recovery slowing down over the recent months and it's not what it used to be. So how does she deal with this? Is it a training thing or an age thing or perhaps both? Should we should training change as we age and does it and oh, sorry and does strength deteriorate with age? Well, unfortunately, yes, strength does re- uh, deteriorate with age. Yeah. Um, but a lot of, I mean, that's a sort of general rule, yeah. and it's not that applicable to Karen, who lifts a lot of heavy weights. Yeah. So in general, like if you look at population levels of strength, like there's a huge decrease of age. Mm-hmm. But that's normally because people don't go to the gym as they get older and they don't do anything about it. So yeah. you can be older and stronger, yes. Is it a bit harder? Yes, probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, for numerous reasons, hormonal, when you hit the menopause. Yeah. Um, just, yeah, there's a, there's a whole load of reasons it could be slightly harder, but not impossible. No, not at all. And I think as well, as you get, it's not just an age thing, as you get stronger, as you're lifting heavy weights, your recovery is not going to be as, as well, as good as it was when you were weaker. Okay, so if you're lifting 50 kilos and then you can do five sets of five and you can recover quite quickly in between, you go up to 70, 80 kilos, you're going to need more rest in between. You're possibly going to need to deload more frequently. So a deload is where you maybe have intermittent breaks of a week or so of lower um, intensity weights to kind of recover from your training. So that is a factor too. So there's not, it's not just kind of age, it's you getting stronger, getting better, and that can really impact your recovery. Yep, and I've just put Karen on very uncomfortable rep ranges for yeah. her. So um, we've upped her rep ranges quite a lot. So. Uh-huh. Oh, there you go. Yeah, well, that'll make a massive difference as well. So personally for me, it depends on the individual too, but I'm very comfortable in the three to six rep range for most exercises. See if you put me up to eight plus, then my want to train is lower. My want to do that set, my motivation for that set's lower. I probably don't push myself as hard as I would on the lower rep ranges as well. And that's just me being completely honest. So, and obviously you're going to be lifting a lot less weights than you were doing as well. So that can definitely um, be a psychological factor too. Yeah. Um, what's the next part? Um, do we, this Karen again, do we get to a point? Can you see that one? Oh yeah. Do we get to a point where we hit a ceiling? For yeah. example, one rep max or peak physique wise. I personally think it is, very likely so it focuses on enjoyment and all the other benefits of exercise along with possibly new goals becoming more and more important uh, yes absolutely there is a genetic limit to how much muscle you can gain how strong you can get how fast you can get and um, the best athletes in the world have a much higher limit than we do um, but yeah like you said there is a point that you will not get any stronger sometimes you might be one of those people that does have a high genetic potential as far as that's concerned but you might Social might get in the way, so your social life might get in the way slightly. Or um, you might pick up injuries. I mean, all that obviously affects your potential to get stronger and leaner and everything like that. So yeah, there is. Otherwise, you get people who just lived in the gym and ate and ate chicken and broccoli all all day every day, and they would literally be the biggest person in the world in a matter of years, which just doesn't happen. So you've all got this genetic potential, um, which prevents you or prevents us from being the best in the world, unfortunately. Yeah, we do have a gym, but I mean, almost everyone hasn't reached it. No, oh, no, not at all. Yeah, not yeah. at all. You, you do, definitely. But um, I mean, that would take, that would take, um, it, for, for most people and most of our clients as well, that would be something that you'd really need to, I don't want to, you, you'd need to really dictate your life towards it. 
um, and really make that your be all and end all um, is getting the biggest, the leanest, the strongest you could get. But if you want to do that, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. If that's your goal, to be a bodybuilder or to be an um, Olympian or be a Commonwealth Games uh, athlete, etc. You go ahead and do that. But for most people, that's not something that they wanted to yeah, exactly. For. But, I mean, most people in this group want to exactly. lose weight, feel good, yeah. look good, and enjoy exercise. Maybe not go to the next Olympics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Karen's completely right. She says, I personally feel like in, focusing on enjoyment and all the benefits of exercise, <coughs> plus um, new goals and yeah, that being more important. So, and even sort of just changing your goals. So initially it might have been you know, I want to add like huge strength increases that would be plausible when you're very new to lifting. Yeah. But now, you know, you've got to adapt your your goals to your experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree. Next one, again, Karen, the best way to approach warm-up sets when training in one to five rep ranges in order to reduce injury, but also not be too fatigued. Um, I usually do, so like obviously a little bit of, getting physically warm so whether yeah. that be cv blah 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 then so say it was a bench workout i might do a set with the bar maybe just 20 reps and then i'd put on something i could do comfortably 10 reps with and then i'd start loading it up but i'd only go up so i'd start whatever my aim of this is. so say i wanted to bench 50 kilograms mm-hmm. i might do a set of three at 30 three at 35 three at 45 you know like yeah. just very but I wouldn't go you know these sets are easy they should just be looking at technique fast movement of the bar yeah. getting the movement underway yeah absolutely the psychological factor of getting used to the movement again as well so going through it psyching yourself up um yeah very very similar to, to Emma when we get to like the heavier warm-up sets so let's say for instance your tier one rep max is 50 kilos for instance so the heavier you go up on your warm-up sets do less reps so you don't fatigue yourself and um, so you don't want to be doing as you gradually increase your warm-up set weight you don't want to be continuing to like let's say the five reps hello yep oh sorry i just heard something ping um you don't want to be going for the five reps you, you go for a, a little bit lower as the strength as your weight increases so you're not fatiguing yourself for that kind of work working set or the two to three working sets you've got but that's how how myself and emma would advise doing it anyway yeah and you'll find that you've sort of pick up what works for you yeah yeah absolutely you'll find a way but definitely you're right a lot of I've had a lot of clients that have done sort of working sets all the way up to their working sets yeah yeah. like well of course you're not hitting big numbers because you're already tired yeah absolutely definitely all right next question Lauren Blackhall yep after a long holiday I weigh about the same as I did on the scales possibly half a kilogram heavier Mm -hmm. I have been eating less protein, training less due to injury, but look fluffier. Um, could it be the case that I've lost muscle due to eating less protein and barely training for a month and gained fat, which is why the scales say I weigh roughly the same, but I look like I have gained more fat? Question mark. The tape measure says my waist is marginally bigger also, but again, my weight is very similar to before I went. Okay, so the honest answer, yes, that's probably what's happened. Okay, we always want to be honest with you guys and kind of let you know what's what's what and not kind of hide anything through smoke and mirrors etc so um yeah i mean if you've not you just said that you're not trained for a month you've maybe been eating less protein and uh, food choices will have been different you've had an injury 
I mean, that is something that's probably happened. You maybe lost a little bit of muscle temporarily, I will add, and you maybe put on a tiny bit of body fat. Like they aren't big numbers and they aren't things that aren't going to change very, very quickly now that you're back from your holiday, now that you're now a graduate group and you get stuck back into your training. You've been able to train more as well, which is great. I've seen you checking in that way. Um, your nutrition's been much more on point. Your weekly averages are much more on point as well. So even if you did put on a little bit of fat and lose a bit of muscle, because you've already gained that muscle, gained that strength, it's going to be very quickly to, it's going to be very quick to get that back on. And because, I mean, very quick, I mean, like a week or two, like maximum. And because you've been bang on with the nutrition, you're checking in really well, like the body fat's going to come off very quickly too. So you had a great time on holiday, first and foremost. You're, we know that you nail everything when you're back and when you're ready to check in. So it's not worth worrying about those very small changes, um, in my opinion. Yeah, completely agree. And I think you're in a good position after coming back from a holiday yeah. and like not training for a month because of injury. Like, yeah. it's actually quite a good position to be in. You've not gone overboard. Yeah. As Jonathan says, you'll get that back really quickly. Yeah. Um, we normally say it's very hard to lose muscle. I mean, lose fat yeah. and gain muscle at the same time. But there are two key situations where this does happen. One of them is after a layoff. So, you mm-hmm. the exact like perfectly you um and the other one is when you're very overweight and have a lot of fat to lose and you're very new to resistance training so basically you'll get that back really quickly absolutely absolutely yeah that's it just keep sticking in like you are doing next question is from sharon sharon both and she's said she's heard a few folk going on about german volume training or gvt if you've maybe heard it uh, called that and which she believed was developed in her birth decade is it much cop excuse the pun hmm. i think she's saying excuse the pun because she's yeah, a cop yeah i get that as well yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, so, yeah. I was like wait i didn't get it yet i got it now i had to reread okay. it okay <laughs> um uh yes it, german volume training works it's a really high volume 10 sets of 10 um I find it a little bit boring because after three sets on an exercise, I'm kind of like, yeah, probably ready to do something else. Um, have you ever done it, Jonathan? I have, yes, yeah, stupidly. I'd never, ever do it again. Like I just, like you said, it's ridiculously boring. You probably, again, you get to, again, you've got a psychological factor. You're probably not pushing yourself when you get past three to four sets as much as you would if you changed up an exercise, maybe for the same body fat to include the same amount of volume. Um, yeah, I just, I don't think it's a very fun program to do i've not put any clients on it for a good five at least five or six years um there's other many other ways to skin a cat and get just as good a results in my opinion Mm -hmm. um and then lauren blackhall again yeah how important is it to finish the workouts we have been set i'm only managing to get through about 75 percent at the moment as i'm taking it easy with my back and not supersetting um I only have around 40 minutes on the gym floor after a break at the gym for a month. I presume this is probably fine for now, but I will increase volume and weight as time goes on for effective results. I guess what I'm asking is how important resistance training is for fat loss, assuming in a calorie deficit from calorie counting anyway. Hmm, Very like kind of goes a few ways. Yeah. So you've kind of answered your own question initially. Yeah. The fact that you're doing about 75% of the workouts at the moment because you're coming back from injury, you're being sensible of your back, you're not supersetting exercises, that's perfect. Yeah. As you recover, do we want you to increase that and finish the workouts? Yes, 100%. Yeah. How important is resistance training for fat loss? Now, very specifically, fat loss, not that important. Yeah. How 
important is resistance training for looking good, feeling good, and actually getting the body that you want. Very important. Yep. So, you know, you t- I always thought of you, like, you might get skinny fat, quote unquote, <laughs> if, you, if you don't lift weights. But, you know, in terms of the total calorie burn, and if you really just wanted to lose body fat, you probably wouldn't need to lift that much weight. Yeah. Um, we'd probably have you just trying to burn as many calories as possible, get you doing loads and loads of cardio, yeah. be very boring, and you probably wouldn't look that great and you probably wouldn't feel that great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. I think um, you're not going to have the, I know it's not all about physique, but again, like a lot of you do want to look better as well as feel better. You're not going to have the best adaptations as well, physically and from a health perspective by not strength training. So as I said already, you're going to have that muscle tone that you're going to see once you lose the body fat, which wouldn't be there unless you did strength train um, the kind of shape that most people want to get. Also, you've got benefits such as bone health, bone strength, loads of other things that strength training helps you with so yeah very very important all right then we do have well, another couple of oh. questions but i think well we do have a few questions if you've got time emma mm-hmm. um so we could even just do them quite quickly and ask sarah it's just in our new group and um, ask sarah if she wants us to elaborate on them because there are quite a few from sarah which is awesome um so whether it's just down to her taking what we say as gospel or if she wants us to go on it a bit more we'll just kind of run through it as like a wee speed round so all right then we have first one a couple of things that she's interested in emma what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting mm-hmm. i like it for yeah. some people i really like it um five two tends to work for a lot of the clients i've had that are like um a little bit not all yeah definitely not all but like a bit more settled. They didn't really want to diet. Yeah. Like it works well for my parents. Yeah, absolutely. They, they do it. Um, and it works well for sort of families sometimes, especially if like you and your partner are doing it together. Yeah. Um, it can feel like you're not dieting really. Yeah. And it, you know, it can teach you a lot as well about hunger signals and that, you know, you might feel, Oh, I'm really hungry at lunchtime, but mm. actually you're not that hungry. You yeah. just are used to eating at that time and that these signals will pass. And that, you know, skipping or missing a meal or being a little bit hungry isn't the end of the world. And it doesn't, you know, and and it gives you quite a lot of tools to get back to, quote unquote, normal dieting if you want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There are certain potential benefits um, to fasting. It can sort of rejuvenate some of your cell cycle. Mm -hmm. and But some of that's a bit Mm wishy-washy. It's not quite been proven. And then it's hard to say what the benefits of fasting are yeah. as opposed to just caloric restriction yeah um i mean but yeah yeah if you enjoy it if that's something you want to try like please be our guest me and emma both like it again with certain people if you don't like it then then don't do it it's not like with anything it's not anything magical and um, it's going to cause you to lose more body fat than if you spread out your nutrition or eight normally like seven days a week so that's the main kind of point the next question, again from Sarah, well, they're all from Sarah, but what causes a plateau and how to avoid it? So a plateau, plateaus are going to happen. A lot of people think that plateaus are bad things and negative things. You've failed because your weight's not moved or your measurements haven't moved. Plateaus are a good thing. Okay, so why plateaus normally happen, there's a number of things, but the main one is you are a smaller person, so you've lost body fat, you've lost weight, and you just carrying out daily activities, you're burning less cal- calories because you don't have that five kilo rucksack on your back anymore you don't have that five kilo of extra weight which you are 
that you don't have that added resistance basically so that's one of the main factors why you reach a plateau other reasons could be you aren't being you've maybe dieted for a little while you're maybe not being as on the ball with your nutrition as you were again some people can hand on heart say that they've maybe not been as strict as they were being even though they said they have been that could be another factor which i find clients will be saying yeah i'm eating 1250 calories a day i'm eating 1300 calories a day but when you look at the amount of activity they say they're doing, the amount of training they say they're doing, their weekly averages, they're not calculating things. And again, it's not always them, they're not always doing it on purpose, um, but, but that's another kind of main factor. The two main factors I'd say that the kind of plateaus happen. Um, how to avoid plateaus. So when plateaus happen, you again assess how well you've been sticking to your nutrition, how well you've been sticking to your calories, again, hand on heart. Um, and then if you have lost weight, you have adapted as far as you're not burning as many calories walking around, you'd then either reduce the calorie intake further or you would increase activities. You'd increase steps. You'd consciously try to be more active in order to keep that, keep that going, basically. I don't know if you'd add anything onto that, Emma. No, got absolutely all the points. I mean, re- plateaus are an inevitable yeah. part of weight loss. It actually means you're losing weight well. You know, If you don't hit a plateau, it normally means because you're haven't lost weight or you've put it back on again yeah absolutely uh next one for emma can you overtrain yes yeah but is the likelihood that you are no no and then is there a difference between overtraining and under recovering yes there is so very quickly overtraining most of you guys are probably not going to be overtraining okay and it's not really something that we'd say you'd need to worry about too much. Obviously, we'd look at everything. We're not just going to make blanket statements, but it's not normally that, that somebody would need to look at that. I mean, myself and Emma probably don't overtrain, well, wouldn't really overtrain. And that's Emma training regularly, me rugby and gym training multiple times a week. So that's not something we need to look about, look at. So under recovering, as Emma just said, so um, if you are feeling lethargic, tight, et cetera, look at your sleep, look at your nutrition, look at, make sure you're getting enough fruit and vegetables in, um, those kind of things, really. Exactly. Next one. Emma, you can nail this one. What's best, low calorie or clean? Seema and Sarah bicker about this all the time, she's added. Ah. It depends on your goal. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to lose weight, the fundamental point is you have to be in an energy deficit. It doesn't matter what you eat. You have to be in an energy deficit. Yeah. So... That's the fundamental of it. Um, I don't really say so if they're asking a calorie is more important or what you eat more important. Like, it, Let's say for fat seems, loss. First yeah, time. everyone seems to argue this, but yeah. <laughs> sorry, I've completely got. So is is a low calorie? So is sorry if it's low calorie, like under. Oh no, that's the wrong question. Ignore me. What's the best, low calorie or clean? So let's say for fat loss, what is so. Yeah. Right. Basically, what they're asking is what's more important, what you eat or how many calories you eat. Yeah. And the, like, it's a nonsensical question. If yeah. you want to lose weight, you have to eat less. Yeah. Calories. Yeah. Um, does it matter what you eat? Of course, it matters what you eat. It's yeah. going to impact how you feel, how you perform, yeah. how easy it is to stick to your diet, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so both factors matter and it's completely stupid to sort of argue those points. Yeah. That would be my point. Yeah, I agree with that. When it comes to, from a fat loss perspective, what's, what's, what's best, low calorie or clean? So it depends on the calories. So if you said low calorie or clean, you didn't mention the, the calories in the, 
clean, if that makes sense. So if you have somebody that's only going to lose weight on 1,500 calories, because that's what we've worked out their calorie intake to be in order to cause fat loss, if they're eating that from crap foods, and then you have somebody that's eating clean, and they're eating 2,000 calories, the person eating crap foods is still going to lose body fat, where the person that's eating clean, 2,000 calories, isn't going to lose any. Okay? If you then take a diet that's 1,500 calories, that is nothing but crap foods, you have a diet that's clean, so full of protein, fruits, vegetables, and that has 1,500 calories too, that will be a superior diet. You won't lose any more body fat, okay, if you're sticking to those calories and they come from different sources, so one's clean, one's dirty, if you like, but you're going to be feeling healthy, you're going to be feeling better, you're going to be getting enough protein for your muscles, for instance, you're going to be recovering better, and probably going to be sleeping better, your skin will be looking better, all sorts of different benefits to that, so... This is why we say you should be eating fruit and veg in your diet. You should be eating protein in your diet. But you, you generally then have the freedom to eat whatever you like within those kind of calorie targets. So, yeah, I think I've kind of talked about that enough. Does that make sense, Emma? That makes perfect sense. Awesome. So a couple more. If it's low calorie, like under 200 calories, should you worry about sugar and other nutritional content? It, as in... I don't know, a food, I'm guessing, like any type of food, so... I guess if it, you know, if you're having a <coughs> treat in and it's like 200 calories of a treat or something, then I just put that in as your, you know, account for it within your calories. Yeah. Make sure you're getting nutrition fo- nutritious foods around that. Yeah. Um, don't worry too much about it having X amount of grams of sugar yeah. or this amount of carbs or yeah. whichever, so... Yeah, absolutely. That would be my advice. Definitely, I think as well. Sugar, the reason sugar, or we say like, well, we don't ever say don't eat too much sugar in your diet. I don't think we've ever said that before. But the reason you can't have your carbohydrates or just take carbohydrates from sugar is because you're not going to be able to get fruit and vegetables in your diet too. You're not going to be able to get those micronutrients. So sugar isn't bad for you at all unless you've got health issues, diabetes, etc. But the reason that we say like you need to get these fruit and vegetables in your diet is because you're going to get your fiber, you're going to get your vitamins and minerals. If it was nothing but sugar, then all you'd be getting would be carbohydrates, which you're not going to get any nutritional value from that. Mm-hmm. Um, next one are gym classes good enough body pump a few times a week or are weights in the gym probably heavier and fewer better um, yeah having a structured training program is definitely going to be better so you're going to be getting more progress you're going to have more of a routine you're going to know when to improve etc etc but that is still exercise body pump still exercise if that's something that you really enjoy doing if it's something that you are more likely to go and do. So let's say you maybe skip your eight sessions, but you're going to go do a class with your friends, et cetera, do it. Um, like be our guest, carry on doing that. Like it's still a positive thing to be doing. It's still much more positive than maybe just walking. It's more positive than um, not going at all, obviously. So that's my points on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely prioritize your resistance training. Yeah. Um, but all exercise is great exercise. And we want you to find something that you enjoy. So if you're doing classes and you enjoy them, that's absolutely fantastic absolutely final question okay does more protein in your diet enhance performance at the gym i've been lifting heavier than i ever have this week which is awesome but not running any further oddly really tired legs and i wondered if there was a connection i normally eat very little protein well i feel like the connection of tired legs and lifting (laughs) weights might be yeah there's something there yeah there's something there so um yeah so basically like yeah protein is brilliant that's going to help you recover that's what your muscles are made of protein your muscles are protein so when you're hitting that protein target 
obviously that's going to make you stronger. It's going to help your muscles repair, grow stronger, repair quicker. And the reason that your legs are maybe a little bit tired is just because you're maybe not used to lifting as much. So you will get used to that on your runs. Like you will start to recover quicker, especially when you're on a new program. But um, awesome. I'm really happy. Well, we're both really happy that you are seeing those adaptations so quickly. So, and that's it. Awesome. Great questions. Brilliant questions. We'll post these in every group. So group one, group two, and the graduates group. And we'll give a wee overview. We'll add it to the pin post again. Any, anyone has any other questions, please just put it in the comments below. We'll write a little bit about that on the post too. But great ones. Well done. Brilliant. Right. And we will, yep, yeah, post this in the group today, Monday. Great. Thanks, guys. Bye.